God bless Charles Wesley. He certainly blessed us by him. Good morning. Glad to see so many of you who have been ill back with us. We missed you. Please pray with me. Oh, gracious Father, we thank you for the blessed occasion of the gathering of your people. And we thank you for the promise of our Savior that when we gather in his name, he'll meet with us. Oh, Father, honor your word. Bless your people this day. Feed your sheep. Give us what we need. Father, we pray that our prayers and our praises might be pleasing to you. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, saints, if you need courage today, I hope you'll be encouraged in the Lord. We serve a mighty Savior, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And though meek and mild, the Lord is a man of war. His eyes pierce like flames of fire, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? So take courage. He and we are and will be victorious. A couple of weeks ago, I emailed you some notes, Advent readings that I thought you might enjoy at this time of year sometimes called Advent, or the season preceding Christmas. Those of you that know a little Latin know that there's no V, there's no hard V in Latin, so technically it would be Advent, but I'm not going to say that. (laughs) In Christianity, we use the term Advent when we're speaking of the first coming of Jesus. In ecclesiastical Latin, Advent means the coming of the Savior, coming from the past participle of advenere, from ad, to, and venere, come, to come. In Latin, this word has an intriguing range of meanings. Adventus is a form of the verb advenio, and it means not only to arrive, to come to, but also to develop or to arise, Advent. I mentioned a range of meanings, and Adventists can also describe an invasion, an incursion, an appearance. And aren't all of those terms rich with implications? A divine invasion? In ancient Rome, specifically, Adventus was a technical term for the glorious entry or the coming of an emperor. I mentioned to you that Jeannie and I recently saw multiple arcs de triomphe in Rome. And 
in these arches of triumph, the parading victorious general or emperor would march through the arch of triumph. And that was an adventus, a coming. In Virgil's Enid, Anchises prophesies to his son about the glorious future of Rome and the Caesars. And he says, against his coming, Adventum, against his coming, the far Caspian shores break forth in oracles. The Maotian land trembles in all the sevenfold mouths of Nile. A royal coming. So in Virgil's Enid, Caesar's coming, his Adventus, is depicted as an event with global ramifications reverberating from the Caspian Sea all the way to the Nile. And that was what then was known to be the remotest parts of the world. It seems to me that Advent is a most proper term to describe the period leading up to Christmas. For beloved, listen, we celebrate the coming of a king, a dread sovereign, an emperor, an anointed one, Christ the Lord, Messiah, fully God. Holy man. The term Advent can also have a more mystical, metaphorical meaning, signifying an arrival of something to the mind or the soul. In Cicero's treatise on the nature of the gods, Adventum is used in a section where Cicero is criticizing a philosopher's argument for the existence of gods. So this is pre-Christian. And he writes, If the gods only appeal to the faculty of thought and have no solidity or definite outline, what difference does it make whether we think of a god or a hippocentaur? Such mental pictures are called by all other philosophers mere empty imaginations. But you say they are the arrival, adventum, and entrance into our minds of certain images. Now, think about that for a minute. In a deistic context, Cicero, a pre-Christian Gentile, a Roman who lived in the century before Christ, he's, he's making an argument. At an ontological level, the level concerning the nature of things, Cicero is wondering if these Roman gods, if they have any substance or tangible reality, or if they only appear as an image in the mind. Are they real. And then the issue becomes epistemological. How can these ancient Romans know? How can they know if their gods even existed, if they're only known by mental images? Well, without Christianity, Cicero's concerns seem to make some sense. They do to me. To think of the gods as merely images 
as only ideas, that, that seems problematic, doesn't it? Especially if one was trying to argue for their existence. Are your dreams real? What do you mean by real? Well, his example of the hippocentaur, or simply the centaur, is telling, isn't it? You know that in mythology, the centaur was half man, half horse. And if you can't picture that in your mind, well, there's no shortage of images to help you with that. And the ability to have the image of a centaur come into your mind certainly does not mean that there really is such a thing as a centaur, does it? Well, beloved, listen, listen. Consider how all of this is just blown away by the Adventus of Jesus. The great apostle Paul teaches us that Jesus is... In fact, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1:15. In the case of Jesus, his image of God, listen, in the case of Jesus, his image of God had substance, solidity, a definitive outline. Cicero, because he's not a mere idea. He's not just an image. As John the Beloved explains, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. And truth. John 1 14. Listen, brothers and sisters, unlike these ancient Romans that Cicero was writing to, we have solid ground for our faith. No mere image, no ordinary idea, but an enfleshed God. As Mr. Wesley so beautifully put it, late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead. See, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel being interpreted, God with us. Advent, incarnation, God made man for us and our salvation. Listen, beloved, don't doubt. Don't doubt. Have faith. God was born at Bethlehem and he grew even in favor with God and with man and he was crucified, died and was buried and God Almighty raised him from the dead for it was not possible that death should hold him. 
And when his doubting, fearful disciples mistook him for a ghost, for an immaterial, unembodied spirit, he said, touch me. Touch me. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. A spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures." Luke 24, verses 36 through 45. Hallelujah. Adventus, Advent, the Savior has come. The light has come, and beloved, the darkness cannot overcome it. Brothers and sisters, listen. This book, this Bible, is one big book of Advent. And listen, that that shouldn't surprise us. The teaching of Jesus that we just heard here. Where? Where does it talk about you, Jesus? Uh, In the law of Moses, uh, in the prophets, uh, in the Psalms. Thank you, Dr. Luke. It shouldn't surprise us because the teaching of Jesus himself is that from cover to cover, this whole book is about him. Do you remember as he walked along the road to Emmaus with those heavy-hearted disciples? The Bible says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke 24, 27. So it shouldn't surprise us that Advent is all throughout the book. The story of the Advent, listen, the story of the Advent doesn't begin in the New Testament. And it doesn't doesn't end with a baby in a manger. The whole Bible anticipates and tells of the great Messiah, King, come to bring hope and salvation to a dark and dying world. Friend, I... I hope you're with me on this. This is the most wonderful time of the year. I tell you, a king has come. This world has never been and will never be the same. 
Many Bible scholars see the first Christmas prophecy there at the very beginning, just right after the fall. In a beautiful passage, sometimes referred to as the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel. In Genesis 3, 14 and 15, I read the word of the Lord after the fall of that old serpent. And God says, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." God's response, listen, God's response to His creature's sins isn't just judgment, beloved. It's Advent. God says, this will not stand. You broke it. I'm going to fix it. Someone is coming. Someone is coming. Someone born of a woman. Her seed her offspring, and the coming one will bruise the serpent's head, though the serpent will bruise his heel. And hear Mr. Wesley again, come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Now display thy saving power. Ruined nature now restore. Now in mystic union join thine to ours and ours to thine. Oh, beloved, listen. He was bruised. Our Savior was bruised. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we're healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Yea, it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He hath put Him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12. Beloved, listen, not not only did Jesus bruise the serpent's head at Calvary, the great apostle also teaches that the bruising of Satan, listen, 
The bruising of Satan continues in the church through the victory of the saints. So Paul writes to the Romans saying, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Romans 16, 20. And John the Beloved records, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives, even unto the death. Revelation 12, verses 10 through 11. My beloved, listen. (laughs) The Advent prophecies aren't just in the first book of Moses. In the fourth book of Moses, in Deuteronomy, or the second law, I read, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, thee being Moses. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Deuteronomy 18, 18. Moses, the deliverer, led God's people out of slavery. And here, here, right at the beginning, God promises another Moses, another deliverer, one who will speak the words of God. And beloved, do you remember right after God called St. Philip God? I mean Jesus. Right after Jesus called St. Philip, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree? Believest thou? Oh, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. John 1, verses 45 through 51. Philip says, We found him! We found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. We found him. Hmm. Advent and Deuteronomy? Christmas and Moses? Hmm. 
The apostolic writer to the Hebrews starts his epistle with the beautiful claim, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. In fulfillment of God's Word in Deuteronomy 18, 18, the Word speaks the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the Word spoke the words of God. Listen, friend, the prophet that Moses wrote about arrived on Christmas Day. In recording the blessings of Jacob, Moses told us which tribe the Savior would come from. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Shiloh? Peace? And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Genesis 49 verse 10. The apostolic writer to the Hebrews confirms Moses' prophecy, noting, it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Hebrews 7, 14. The old covenant prophet Micah tells us where the Savior would be born. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come he, unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been of old even from everlasting Micah 5 verse 2 and the Jewish scribes and high priests confirm this to Herod when they answer his question about the birthplace of Messiah he's like Herod asks where Where's he going to be born? And they say, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Matthew 2, verses 5 and 6. The old covenant prophet Isaiah told us who would give birth to a Savior, saying, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call His name Emmanuel. Isaiah seven fourteen, <laughs> And the evangelist Matthew confirms the prophecy, writing, Now all this, speaking of the nativity, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God 
with us. Matthew 1, 22 and 23. The eastern star was prophesied. In Numbers, Moses records the prophecy of Balaam. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Seth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies. And Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have the dominion. Numbers 24, 17 through 19. (laughs) And why? Why are the Magi searching? Well, according to St. Matthew, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he? that is born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. The old covenant prophet Hosea predicts Christ's Egyptian youth when he says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him. And called my son out of Egypt. Hosea 11 verse 1. And do you remember the divine warning to the Magi? And the ensuing flight of the royal family into Egypt? Being warned of God in a dream that they, that is the wise men, should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Then he arose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying out of Egypt have I called my son Matthew 2 verses 12 through 15 according to prophecy according to prophecy according to prophecy I'm telling you friend Advent all way The Old Covenant prophet Jeremiah foretells the slaughter of the innocents and writes, Thus saith Jehovah, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Jeremiah 31, 15. And St. Matthew confirms it, writing, Then Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. 
Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. Matthew 2, 16 through 18. Arguably, the Magi's gifts and the worship of the shepherds were prophesied as well in Psalm 72. Beloved, listen, but all of it, every bit of it, the details of the Advent were all according to prophecy. There was no plan B. No contingency. All was planned. All was scheduled. All was prophesied. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Christians do. If He's not sovereign, He's not God. This is what Christians believe. And this is why the great apostle can write, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. When, Paul? When? When the time had fully come. New International Version. When the fullness of time had come. English Standard Version. When the appropriate time had come. Net Bible. Adventus, Advent, Christmas. It's all through the book. From cover to cover. He's come. He has appeared. And so Paul writes, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Titus 2.11 We said that the Advent is from cover to cover in this blessed book. And do you remember this horrific scene from the Apocalypse of St. John? In Revelation 12, verses 1 through 5, I read, There appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to His throne. Oh, friend, listen. Satan sought to destroy Israel. For it is... From Abraham's seed that all the nations are to be blessed. 
Like a dragon, he stood before the woman with those 12 jewels on her head, seeking to devour her child before it could be born. He didn't know Jesus, but he knew the prophecies. So with abortion and infanticide, he slaughtered the innocents, hoping to eliminate the infant emperor, hoping to destroy the baby king. But he couldn't. And Israel and Mary brought forth a child a man-child to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And the child grew and waxed strong. And he has been caught up unto God and to his throne. And this great king, this king of kings, bears these names. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Beloved, listen. Listen. The advent of Jesus was only the beginning of the victory of our God. His heel was bruised, He still bears the scars in His hands and in His feet. But the serpent's head has been crushed. And though he wriggles and writhes in his death throes and strikes out at the people of God, the apostolic assurance to us, friend, is the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Romans 16, 20 Be encouraged. Be faithful. Full of faith. Our God reigns. The lands that long in darkness lay now have beheld a heavenly light. Nations that sat in death's cold shade are blessed with beams divinely bright. The virgin's promised son is born. Behold, the expected child appear. What shall his names or titles be? The wonderful, the counselor. The infant is the mighty God, come to be suckled and adored. The eternal father, prince of peace, the son of David and his Lord. The government of earth and seas upon his shoulders shall be laid. His wide dominions still increase and honors to his name are paid. Jesus, the holy child, shall sit high on his father David's throne, shall crush his foes beneath his feet and reign to ages yet unknown. Please stand with me for prayer. Saints, we need to worship. There's nothing better that could happen to you today than for Jesus to be magnified 
in your estimation. He's great. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Father, source of all good, what shall I render to Thee for the gift of gifts? Thine own dear Son, begotten, not created, my Redeemer, proxy, surety, substitute, His self-emptying, incomprehensible, His infinity of love beyond my heart's grasp, Oh, herein is wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above. Was born like me that I might become like Him. Herein is love. When I cannot rise to Him, He draws near to me on wings of grace to raise me to Himself. Oh, herein is power. When deity and humility were infinitely apart, He united them in indissoluble unity, the uncreated and the created. Oh, herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no will to return to Him and no intellect to devise recovery, He came, God incarnate, to save me to the uttermost. As man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf, to work out a perfect righteousness for me. O Holy Father, take me in spirit to those watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. O let me hear good tidings of great joy. In hearing, let me believe, rejoice, praise, adore, my conscience bathed in an ocean of repose, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled Father. Oh, place me with ox, ass, camel, goat, to look with them upon my Redeemer's face, and in Him account myself delivered from sin. Oh, let me with Simeon Clasp the newborn child to my heart. Embrace him with undying faith, exulting that he is mine and I am his. In Jesus, thou hast given me so much that heaven can give no more. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.